Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester, arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello and welcome to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and now broadcasting at 1.30 p.m. Mondays on WQTY Unity Radio 102.9 FM. I'm Victor Infante, entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, and in a bit I'll be talking to Telegram reporter Richard Duckett about the legacy of Worcester jazz great Jockey Bayard. And Craig Seaman will fill us in on the region's biggest upcoming concerts, but right now I'm going to turn it over to them and their thoughts on this year's Oscars. Tell me something, boy. Did you find the Oscars thoroughly entertaining or a colossal bore? And do you think it's needed a hip comedian or celebrity host? And the telecast should have stirred up more of Hollywood's ghosts. Richard, I am fallen. Fall in love with the Academy Awards again. Now, Richard, do the Lady Gaga part. What do you think of this year's Academy Awards? Well, Craig, um, it was... uh an interesting evening. Uh, I thought it was great that there was no host. Uh, I thought that Tina Fey, Mayor Rudolph, and Amy Poehler did very well at the beginning. Um, um, mind you, I must admit, I find year after year I get a little bit more bored by the by the whole event. I think it's um, past its prime. I think its time has come. But it will always be there, I think, because there's always a certain attraction or buzz that comes around with the Oscars. But uh, I think it's uh, it ain't what it used to be. And uh, I, I didn't check the time. I think it was like three hours and ten minutes, or maybe twenty minutes, which had to be short for an Oscar. Yeah, telecast. that was that was quite reasonable, in fact. Um, so, so that was good, but it still seemed to drag uh, in places. And I think uh, you agree. Uh, we agree. And um, to paraphrase a famous line from the Treasure of Sierra Madres: "As for an Oscar host, we don't need no stinking Oscar host." Well, no, no. I think uh, that, you know, once upon a time, you know, you had Johnny Carson or before that you had Bob Hope, um, you know, crack a few jokes and get on with it. But uh, in recent years, some of the hosts have just been a disaster. So, um, yeah, who needs one? Right. And we probably saved a half an hour just there. Right, yeah. As I as I said, you know, Tina, Maya, and Amy. I thought they were they were always they, fun. they set they set the tone. Uh, and uh, the ninety first Academy Awards rocked more in its first five minutes with Adam Lambert and Queen than this year's Grammy Awards and Super Bowl halftime show combined. Yes, I would agree with that. And as uh, I'm sure you would agree, it was a good year for rock and roll at the movies and at the Academy Awards with Bohemian Rhapsody winning four Oscars, including film editing, solely on the strength of that incredible live aid sequence. And of course, Rami Malek for best actor for his dead-on portrayal of Freddie Mercury. Yeah, the interesting thing about um, Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star is Born is that when A Star is Born was first released, everybody was saying that this was sure to be uh, an Oscar um, contender or winner. Well, it did get nominated, but um, it didn't snag the big ones uh, except for the song, which yeah, was which, a, which really was which a was a one. which well that was a foregone conclusion, yeah. I think. Um, whereas Bohemian Rhapsody, when it was first released, um, it, the, the reviews were not uh, rhapsodic, but. Uh, <laughs> 
But it, it, it struck a nerve. I'm a queen. People still love Queen and right. Freddie Mercury, and um, you know that 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 that, that showed. And the direction was good, and uh, the performance by the actor. Well, it won an Oscar. So. And no pun intended. Queen in your native homeland is still considered royalty. Well, yeah, I think I think they are here too. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, even though it's a republic. Uh, so, um, yeah, I f- that was interesting, although not surprising. But um, also, I mean, ultimately not surprising. The couple of big surprises for me at the Oscars were um, the fact that um, Glenn Close got exactly. closed out at the end uh, <laughs> for Best Actress. So I wasn't—I didn't see that one coming. Um, Olivia Colman was great in uh, The Favourite, but uh, everything had been so loaded um, in, in terms of how Close was going to win. She was loaded with a big, heavy uh, right. dress. And uh, as we t- exactly, and as we talked uh, a month or so ago, on this topic, uh, you were picking Glenn. I was pretty much picking Glenn, but I was hoping for a tie between her and Lady Gaga. I can't imagine there was too many Academy Award pools where the, uh, they picked the winner right. No, no. I, no. Including her. She was flabbergasted. Yes. She didn't yes. have a speech prepared. No, she was very charming, yeah, I thought. Yeah, it um, was actually one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, I think um, looking back, I can see clearly now looking back, but uh, <laughs> I think one of the reasons was that the movie itself, without giving anything away, the premise is just so preposterous that yeah. uh, it, it just undercuts the movie in the cold light of day when you, when you take a look at it. And um, it might have worked better as a comedy in that regard. Right, and, um, the, and that was probably the only upset. Of the evening, or the, no, the biggest surprise. Well, I was also surprised by the gr- the win of Green Book for, oh, okay. uh, for best film. Um, everything seemed to point to uh, Roma winning, uh, even right. though even though the, the year before we had had The Shape of Water, which film hardly anybody ever saw. And I don't think that many people have seen Roma either. Right. But um, I was a little surprised by the Green Book. Um, it's a popular film. Uh, I will say that people like people who've seen it liked it. You know, it did well at the box office. Uh, it's got good performances, um, but still, um, if that's the best movie that um, came out in the world uh, in right. last year, then I'd hate to think what the worst one was. <laughs> now, I haven't seen Roma yet. I'll admit mm. that, but just seeing the clips from Roma, it was like. You saw movies, and then you saw like a cinematic spectacle. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it looked like true cinema compared to the other films. Yeah, that's from the clips. Yeah, I mean, I can think of uh, other films on the list that I would have given uh, the Oscar to before um, uh, Green Book. Um, admittedly, though, to be fair, there has been some snobbery about right. about the Green Book winning, and I think some of the criticisms uh, have gone oh, have been over analytical and gone right. overboard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just think it was a, a good film, but not really a great one. Uh, you know, and when, when you think of Oscar, you think that maybe it should go to a great film. 
Right. And uh, just a few things I want to note, and obviously I'll let you note anything, Richard. Uh, as for the telecast, Melissa McCarthy, I thought, almost stole the show with her outlandish uh, Elizabethan costume with the bunny hand puppet. But Paul Rudd presented an award for best visual effects, had the evening best line when he credited the special effects people for creating movie magic that allows audiences to believe that he's an actor which I thought was the funniest line. But the best part of the Oscars for me that people will talk about for decades to come was Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, Stuart of the Shell. Yeah, that is something that we'll, people will be watching for quite a while. Um, oh, and I, I, I just wanted to mention that um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won for Best Animated right. animated Picture. And Andrew Leviton, who grew up in Worcester, uh, was associate, associate editor uh, on that movie and uh, previously won, a, won an award, um, not the Oscars, but uh, for at the animation award the uh, annies um he, he he won an award for his work so um congratulations to uh, andrew mm. yeah congratulations to him absolutely and uh, i just wanted to quickly go back to lady gaga and bradley cooper it was so good that they i think they should repackage a star is born and include this performance as the ultimate alternate George Bailey universe ending of the film of Cooper's Jackson Maine character cleaned up his act and stayed faithful to Gaga's alley. Because it was like the happy ending that most people wanted to see in the movie. And how, how in love is Gaga to Bradley Cooper? I mean, you don't see that affection too often uh, on a stage like that. But Well, uh, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> Uh, so, any other big problems uh, you had with the show telecast? Um, no, no. It was about it was about what what I expected, really. Um, and um, I'm already starting to wonder about next year. And um, well, who knows what next year will offer? But uh, I hope it uh, offers uh, a better movie and um, a. No host. <laughs> and I just want to say one, uh, I, I do want to speak on this real quickly. One, as for problems with the Oscar per, uh, Oscars personally for me, and this has always been a problem, the in memoriam reel is always ripe for controversy slowly on the people that didn't make the final cut. And this year was so bad that people actually made in memoriam reel companions and put them on a... Uh, uh, and the internet featured notable oversights, including Carol Channon, Sandra Locke, filmmaker Stanley Donan, and Ali Emery, uh, the Marine Corps drill instructor of Stanley Kubrick's fume full metal jacket. But the biggest oversight for me is the man who delivered the best acting performance ever in a Stanley Kubrick movie, despite the fact that you never saw his face on screen, and that was Douglas Rain, who provided the voice of the HAL 9000 computer uh, in 2001 A Space Odyssey, who died on November 11th. And this is even more shameless, since the HAL 9000 was featured in a Google commercial that aired during the Academy Awards. Yeah, good point. So, well, uh, we could talk about uh, movies and Oscars all day, but we got a busy schedule. I'm going to give a quick rundown to some of the March shows. Um, coming around, and March is actually pretty well packed. 
Um, and a lot of uh, stuff going on at the beginning of March. Tomorrow, uh, March 1st, although uh, for some people you might hear this afterwards, uh, the two remaining monkeys, Mickey Dolenz and Michael Nesmith, are performing uh, in, uh, at the che uh, Chevalier, uh, Chevalier Theater in Medford. And with the February 21st death of Peter Tork, uh, this uh, pairing of the two remaining monkeys... Uh, just a little more than a week later, has the makings of a combination celebration of the music and communal grief session. Uh, Luke Combs, uh, uh, who not too long ago was a burly, beard guzzling, beard, uh, baseball cap wearing good old boy, uh, is now the toast of Nashville. He's coming uh, and to the DCU Center for a sold-out show on Saturday. And this is actually his 29th birthday Saturday, so wish him a happy birthday. Uh, his chart-topping uh, debut, uh, This One's For You, has gone platinum and has scored uh, five uh, uh, or four consecutive number one hits. So that should be a good show. Uh, I'm our premier American Idol winner, Kelly Clarkson's coming in the area March 8th at TD Garden in Boston. And March 14th and 15th at Mohegan Sun. I'm sure if you drive on 290, you probably see the advertisements for that. In honor of St. Patrick's Day week, the Dropkick Murphys will be singing loud, singing proud, and singing quite often during his annual home run, uh, hometown run of Boston, March 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th at the House of Blues in Boston. And in our closer to Worcester, we have... Uh, Fiddler and step dancer extraordinaire, extraordinaire uh, Natalie McMaster joining her hubby, Donnell Larry, uh, for a night of uh, magical Celtic music uh, at the Hanover Theater on March 15th. Weezer and the Pixies, March 16th at the Grand Theater at Foxwoods, which might uh, be the, the must-see show of the first quarter of 2019. Ariara Grande, March 20th at the TD Garden, and March 30th at Mohegan Sun. Kiss, end of the world tour. I uh, believe it when I see it. Uh, it's coming March 23rd, Mohegan Sun, and uh, March 26th, TD Garden. And finally, America, March 23rd, Hanover Theater. And also, if you can't catch it, March 15th at the Lynn Memorial Auditorium, Lynn. So that's a little quick of a cracker shop. Uh, Roundup of March, and uh, Richard has more to stuff to say to uh, uh, Victor about what's going on. So uh, thank you, everybody. See you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. In a moment, Richard and I will discuss jazz great Jackie Bayard. But first, here's a personal favorite song from Worcester's, one of Worcester's best bands, the Curtis Mayflower. <laughs> Sleep. 
You have been listening to Shadow Mountain Worship Team by the Curtis Mayflower, and now we're going to turn our attention to jazz and a recent story by Telegram reporter Richard Duckett. Hi, Richard. How you doing? Hi. Good, Victor. Good. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Jackie Bayard, just who he is and basics there. Yeah, Jackie Bayard, who was born in Worcester, um, died just over 20 years ago uh, at the age of 76. He was very well regarded, highly regarded as a piano player, jazz piano player, composer, arranger. Uh, he was asked to take over piano duties for Duke Ellington when he became too ill to lead his, his orchestra. Uh, he taught at um, the New England Conservatory of Music. Um, all in all, um, a great life, you would, but it's also a life that's overshadowed by the fact that um, he was murdered. He was found shot dead uh, in his home on February the 11th. He lived in Queens, New York, and the, the case has never been solved. Uh, so that adds a sort of air of mystery to, to, to him. You would think that, that something that dramatic and, and, and horrifying, really, you would think that would actually have made his story even more popular, but it seems to have kind of receded until recently into the public consciousness. Yeah, well, he... The thing about jazz musicians is that, is that um, among their peers, they can be very well regarded. Mm. But um, in terms of uh, national fame, um, that's a little bit more elusive, um, uh, unless you're maybe Duke Ellington. But um, Chet Williamson, a local musician, writer, has written an excellent biography of uh, Jackie Bayard. It was just came out last year. It's called The... Um, Falling Reigns of Life, the Jackie Bayard story. The Falling Reigns of Life is one of uh, Bayard's compositions. And so that hopefully will raise his profile. And indeed, um, uh, Chet was telling me that uh, in, in more recent years, uh, Bayard's compositions, which were always complex, it was not easy stuff, yeah. uh, um, have um, been getting more of a following, both in terms of the, the jazz underground and, and you know, he wrote a lot of um, band music. Even high school bands are sort of uh, starting to play his music and, and, and arrangements now. So there's this sort of groundswell of rediscovery of his work Yeah, at the it would seem to be that way. Um, you know, at the time of his death, uh, you know, it, there were respectful obituaries, but even the Worcester Telegram, uh, the year before Bayard died, um, Bayard came to um, back to Worcester to participate in a jazz series that was held at the former Foothills Theatre. The Worcester Telegram didn't interview him, um, <laughs> did not review his show. Uh, so, so we were perhaps as guilty as anybody else. Well, and this was and this was before he died. This yeah, was, was a year before he, was, he died. He yeah. was on a sort of he was fading a bit already at that point. Then, well, um, he. As I say, he was well regarded. He was he would he would have been seventy five. Ah. Um, and as I say, jazz is a minority music. Um, um, the people who are, who love it, uh, who are fans of it, are very passionate about it. They can dissect uh, a recording session from nineteen forty two and uh, tell you who was playing bass and and and, and saxophone and everything else. Um, 
But speaking of that, um, Jackie Bayard not only played the piano, he played all instruments. Mm. Uh, he played he played the saxophone, um, wind instruments. Um, he grew up in Worcester uh, in what is now the Plumley Village area, but it was known as one of Worcester's African-American uh, neighborhoods. And uh, apparently it had quite a, quite a thriving uh, nightlife uh, in the late 20s, 30s, right up until the 1940s, I think. And um, uh, Williamson um, sort of paints quite a nice picture of that. Uh, Bayard's uh, father was, uh, was a was a saxophone player and played in a band called uh, Mamie Moffitt and her five jazz hounds. And, uh, and Bayard's mother was a pianist and um, played the piano every Sunday at the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. Excellent. Now, you can actually listen to at least some snippets of his music on oh, yeah. the digital version of your story on telegram.com. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about those songs, just your impressions of them? Well, he um well, well Jackie Pard made made hundreds of recordings. He can yes. be heard on hundreds of recordings. Um uh his most famous composition was uh, aluminum if I'm pronouncing it the American way correctly, uh, Aluminum Baby, uh, which was um, recorded and performed often by the Herb Pomeroy Band. Um, but even Aluminum Baby, uh, it's, not, uh, it's, not, it's not easy, it's not an easy you know, uh, song to sort of uh, dance and, and, and swing along to. It's... it's it's, it's a very musically complex piece. Yeah, just from it a is. Yeah, casual and, listen. Um, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot going on there musically, and he was Jackie Byard was uh, an academic, um, mm. uh, taught in a number of colleges. He was actually one of the first African American um, instructors. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, at uh, a academy, yeah. music academy, American music academies. Right, right, and. Um, he uh, was uh, instrumental in helping the New England Conservatory um, award its first ever jazz degrees. Oh. Um, however, um, people who knew him found him a little bit of a mystery. Uh, uh, for, for my story, I also interviewed uh, Ran Blake, who uh, lives in the Boston area. He's a veteran um, composer himself and um uh, recorded a duet, piano duet, with uh, Jackie Bayard. Um, and uh, he told me that uh, for him, Bayard was, was always a bit of a mystery. Um, on the surface, um, he had a great sense of humor, but deep down, um, Ram Blake detected um, some possible latent anger. Um, uh, he, he, was, he was a complex person. Mm, as a lot of artists are. And is there any theories or hypothesis about about his last days there? Well, um, yes, there are rumors ah. uh, as to what happened. But um, in fact, I, uh, shortly after the story appeared, I, I, I got I got an email from somebody with a rumor. Uh, oh, so, really? I mean, <laughs> uh, yes, but uh, I don't think it would be a good idea to go into what they are. But um, probably irresponsible. However, um, uh, Chet Williamson um, did 
some meticulous research, contacted the New York Police Department, and apparently the New York Police Department do, do not consider it to be uh, case closed. In fact, they might be reopening the case and looking, really? into, looking into it all again. Well, there we go. So this is a story that may not be entirely finished. No, no, there's still maybe another another chapter to go in the in Jackie Bayard story. Excellent. Well, that sounds like we've... That's a heck of a read if you haven't read it. It's on telegram.com. And you please do listen. Also, while you're there, click on some of the embedded players and listen to the music that we've got there. Aluminium Baby. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That Aluminum Baby was on there. Uh, Is there anything else that we need to, that we should cover about him? Well, um, I would um, say that if you want to check out um, Chet Williamson's book, you can go online and www.jackiebiardbook.com. And you can buy a download. Excellent. Well, that wraps up another edition of Worcester Culture Watch. For more, read our arts and entertainment coverage in the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and online at telegram.com. Unity Radio broadcasts at WUTY Unity Radio 102.9 FM and streams online at unityradioma.org. As always, our music was composed by DJ Hitler. Thanks, and we'll be back next week.